What happens after death, I think we have been deliberating upon quite some time. But there is a big question, why do we die? The question is actually wrongly put, because we don't die. There is a very interesting... Um, there used to be a New Age Association seminar where the students in the higher knowledge courses, they were given a theme on which they would write their own thoughts, then it would go to the mother and mother would put her remarks. So in one such seminar, the theme was, what is death? So everybody gave their own, you know, this is death, that is death. And someone spoke about cells and cellular consciousness and mother said, are you even conscious of your cells to speak about cellular disintegration? Then finally, she would give her final remarks. That was a very powerful remark. At the end she says, in fact, there is no death. So when we ask the question, why do we die? Actually, it is it's a paradoxical question. And the Gita answers it in a very interesting way. He says, if this body is all, then why are you grieving of death? And if this body is not all, there is an immortal element inside it, then why are you grieving of death? So either which way we look at it. Nothing can really die. It only changes form. That's what happens throughout the process of from birth to death. The form keeps on changing. It's a constant process. Only a time comes when to change the form further. This matter has to go back into its whatever energy state and another form has to be taken up by the immortal soul within. That's why this debate that often comes up that whether we have a single life or many lives, actually this debate is meaningless because both are true at the same time. So one wonders how both are true. Hindus believe that there is many lives and Christians and Muslims believe there is one life. Well, if we look at it this way, that there is one alone who inhabits these many bodies and births and there is a continuity, then we would say there is one life. It doesn't matter whether this body degenerates, another body comes up. It's a one life, continuous life, because life is immortal. Life doesn't die by its very nature, it doesn't die, it's immortal continues. But only thing that happens is that we lose the memory of the past and we start off with a, you know, that also we see in one lifetime it happens. People have what is called as dementia when the brain cells degenerate and they lose the memory of, you know, what happened to them as a child, as adult. But we don't say that they have died. They are very much alive. They may not be conscious of certain surface events. At the same time, the deepest memories are never lost. They are the psychic memories. 
Psychic memories are very rare, very few. In a whole lifetime, you'll have 10 minutes, probably maximum. Many people, just a few seconds of psychic memory. And they would come back to life almost immediately after death. But for rare beings, it would be more than, you know, it takes time for the psychic memories. There are number of contacts that one has made or glimpsed with the Divine Presence. And that those memories remain. So in one level, if you see existence in its manifested state, is strung upon a thread of memories. It's very interesting. speaks of it at great length in the life divine. It's strung upon a thread of memory. When I wake up in the morning, I say that I am the same person who was yesterday because I have a continuity of memory. If I don't have a memory, I would... Like that famous old-time advertisement of Sachin Tendulkar, we'll say that, who am I, where am I, why have I come? Actually, you know, this happens. People do raise these questions. They forget, even in, in lifetime, uh, their own associations, their, their uh, brothers, sisters, they forget. And they ask, who are you? We don't use the word, they are dead. So on one point, when we see, we'll say there is a single continuity and therefore there is one life. From another standpoint, we can equally say that there are many lives because there are major gaps and each such gap we say is one life. The other difference which is there with regard to many lives that one particular formation of personality and the body into which to which the Dehi ties itself, the soul ties itself, it breaks free from that. The, when it breaks free, the mold is broken. That's how death takes place. Death takes place because the soul has decided to leave. And so the mold gets broken. After a while, it begins to slowly disintegrate. And the physical disintegrates into its own substance, the vital into its own, the mental into its own. We have heard about that. And then the psyche goes to the psychic world to rest. Then some people say that, you know, after death, we can be reborn as animals. That is another question. Shobhinda and the mother categorically say that it's in, we are all on a, basically on a one-way ticket. So we are constantly evolving. Once the psychic has developed to a point where there is a human consciousness, it cannot go back to the animal level. But what can happen is that there are some strong animal propensities in some natures. Weak animal propensities are in every nature because, you know, we have inherited that. But there are strong propensities in our nature which are of a crude animal type and these propensities can temporarily, that part which holds these propensities, the vital part, can temporarily get detached, get hooked on to an animal consciousness to exhaust those propensities. Like somebody with a great greed for money, mother gives this example, actually can tie itself to a snake and be around, in old time we have this image, snake around the wealth or somebody with a lot of greed for food, that vital part drops off, gets attached to a goat, exhausts itself and finishes. That's all. But the immortal soul goes. Immortal soul is neither good nor bad. 
So when we use words like wicked soul, it's not right. There is no such thing as a wicked soul. Soul is always beautiful, it's always divine in its essence. So the other part which regarding death, what happens is, let's look at it from the point of view of a giant wave or many waves. You know in ocean there are many waves which are carrying everything in a certain directions. And let's say that few straws at the beginning get together and slowly the waves are becoming higher and higher and stronger and stronger and because of the impulsion of these waves these straws begin to move in different directions. But nevertheless they are continuing to all move forward. So what happens is that there is a tremendous impulsion for everything to move forward. What Shubhinder and the mother have called as universal becoming. There is a pressure, tremendous pressure for everything to move in a certain way. But what responds most to this pressure is the secret soul within us because that is most open. Then whatever else responds to that pressure moves forward like the mind or the heart. Maybe parts of life. So they will move forward and continue to move. And as long as they are moving and keeping pace with this universal becoming and the soul, there will be no death. But the body is not able to keep pace because by nature it is something rigid, still not conscious. It cannot keep pace because it is unconscious. It is tied by atavism to the past, whether we call it habit. Habit is the best word. Atavism. It's tied. It cannot move at that pace. And that's why even in a lifetime we experience it. What is beautifully put in the Bible that the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. We want to do many things when we are 50, 60, 70. But the body is not able to do it. Because it's not able to follow even the Demands of the vital in us leave aside the universal becoming. So after a while all these parts they are not able to keep pace and they drop off one by one. Very beautifully it is symbolized in Mahabharata in the story of Yudhishthir and the Pandavas going towards ascent to heaven. So one by one they all drop by. Who is the first one to drop? Draupadi. Sees the prakriti which holds them together. She drops. Then one after another, the different elements drop off. What goes ultimately? That which represents the soul and the dharma. That's, that's all that essence. But it's possible for everything to ascend to heaven or to the, you know, um, undergo a transformation process if it can keep pace with that universal becoming. It is very difficult. And this is the challenge that mother was constantly working and is still working in humanity. We, like a clock, we are, the clock has been wound in this way that after a while it cannot keep pace. And why nature has done it? For good purpose. That is why all mechanical attempts at immortality are foredoomed to failure. It would mean immortalizing our imperfection. It is a very 
you know, Chutnaranji used to tell it in a very nice way. He said, one day somebody received a card, Mr. Professor, you have become immortal. And somehow this news spread. And all BBC and CNN and Times now, everybody is coming and interviewing him. You have become immortal, you have become immortal. And this fellow says, okay, but I need rest also. So after all the, he has parties and after all this party, one day at night he develops a lot of gas problem, you know, eating too much. So he wakes up his wife and says, Suntiyoji, bahut pain or I am, you know, having a lot of pain. He says, why you are disturbing me in your sleep? You are anyways immortal. <laughs> Please sleep. Then he calls up his doctor and doctor, oh you oh, you are immortal. Why are you disturbing me? Tomorrow I'll come and see you. It can immortalize our pain, which is what we see in story of Ashwatthama. All mechanical means. Hiranyakashup, Ravan, they all tried to be immortal by controlling all the physical conditions, material conditions. It doesn't work out. So nature, what it has done to keep the balance, cosmic balance, for every species, it has introduced a certain kind of genetic programming. After a certain point of time, the same cells, as they get copied, they start making errors, you know, errors of various kinds. We are programmed like that. The body will, so you will have... Uh, waste products, more and more genetic mutations will happen, which are not healthy, which eventually will lead to death because uh, it'll be it'll disturb the balance. So before we can even talk about physical immortality, a lot has to be done, a lot of internal purification and change, so that plasticity, wideness, suppleness, all the things that mother has spoken of. So it's not enough that you know inwardly I have a very active or conscious body consciousness and I invoke the force and I'll be immortal. No way. And mother has cautioned against it. Don't try this. She would always say, give yourself. There is a process to it. No mechanical way is going to work. The only path is offering, surrender, purification. Very often in yoga we skip this stage. We don't talk about it, purification whether it be of the mind, of the heart and emotions, of the vital sensations and the very physical consciousness and the very cellular consciousness. It must be purified. It is full of obscurity and darkness. And this purification is very different from moral purification. That's what we are reading. Purification here means that each cell must come completely under the influence of the divine. Purification in yogic term means everything must be completely under the influence of the divine. It must obey the divine impulsion, nothing else. Right now they don't. They follow mechanically many kinds of impulsions. It's a lot of work to be done. Before mother does the yoga of the cells, a lot of things were done. And that's why... When one reads the agenda, one must be careful. There is a whole background to it. Otherwise, it can be very misleading. That background is indispensable. The psychic transformation which makes the basic cleansing possible, the higher and higher consciousness to which one wakes up, which does a further cleaning. Then alone, it is possible that the body can follow the universal becoming. 
what happens to these cells lot of interesting things mother has uh, talked about after a certain point of this process of purification if one goes through sustains through the whole process they are given a choice the choice is either to disintegrate but spread in the universe universalize or else to undergo a further change now for many of us that's what happens it's it's like a crust which falls off and disintegrates there is another very interesting phenomena which takes place and that too has been indicated that this outermost body which we call as our body is like a crust like the you know in the ice cream you have the cone or the or the cup that holds the ice cream and it breaks off after a point but the subtle physical which has become totally under the influence of the higher consciousness of the highest consciousness that remains intact so there is no death for such a person one is completely conscious even when the body outer body has fallen off right up to the subtle physical one is completely conscious so there is a whole personality is intact the mother gives example of pavitrada and there are others who completely went into her walked into her just completely conscious but then in this world we need something even more dense subtle physical is not enough and this is the big challenge and that's why mother used the word 300 years shubindu has used that word in fact at another point she also used the word 1000 years before we can speak about physical transformation so that's because this body now has to find ways and means to precipitate itself more and more to come within the range and action of the gross physical world that is a very very difficult i'm sure it's an occult process which is going on and that is the way eventually mankind will come to a point where body matter will become more and more subtle and this subtle body which has been supramentalized will become more and more dense and a meeting point will come where the two will meet and there would be a supramental creation physical which will take place when it will take place we don't know surely madra and shubindu are working towards it even now those who are fortunate have the grace of whatever reason they are aware of the mother and shurvindo's supramental bodies in the physical but for rest of us our senses have to develop to a point where the two can meet together so this is where the yoga of cellular transformation stands as of now mother was asked then how do we participate in this process it's a very difficult process she has described in the agenda and she said very categorically but who is asking you to do it mother but this is the goal she said no my child i am doing it for you you have to simply receive it as a prashad you have to just receive what is being done that was the whole idea behind the soup ceremony where mother would taste the soup and pass it on to everyone she was pouring something of her subtle physical consciousness into that soup and everybody was taking it so 
in theory it's very nice in principle not in theory in principle but the way is the same by opening ourselves to the mother this yoga is done by opening the body to the mother we can follow the rhythm of the supramental change not by any mechanical or purely technical process to try that is to go back to the same method that hiranyakashipu and ravana tried and you know it can create disaster by opening by giving ourselves and for that one of the best preparations is by of engaging this body in divine works it's not that one has to do some big exercises lot of people do lot of exercise mohammad ali just now yes you know recently gone lot of people do that but that's not enough but when the body engages itself in the divine work then it becomes conscious for a simple reason that when this body consciousness this human body is offered in service of the divine then what does the divine do he picks it up uses it so what will happen when the divine picks up and uses it two instances one is when you know even now many people don't understand its importance uh, but mother and shubhendu have said something which the mother or shubhendu used what is called as relics pen or you know anything they have used signed how special these things are we have no clue sari worn by the mother dhoti worn by shubhendu it carries their imprint and to somebody who is receptive it can pass on those imprints now if a dhoti sari can contain that imprint how much more a human body which can just open itself and offer itself carry that imprint and that's where the second story which is very deep and profound when someone went to champaklal ji and said i have nothing with me touched by the mother can you give me something which has been touched by the mother champaklal ji told him what you don't remember he said what i don't have anything touched by the mother he said she has touched your head you don't remember <laughs> she has touched your head so by offering a body by presenting it the right word is prastut karna to tell the divine please use this body for your work that's what mother has said work is body's prayer to the divine see the change will come even in the ashram context not everybody was going to the physical education department and people ask this question classic example is champaklal ji and he has come here we all have seen what his uh, you know body was he didn't go to the for and he never ever went even in all likelihood if i remember rightly he has not stepped into the playground dhuman why he did not go so they were so engaged in just work for the mother and their bodies became so conscious everything became so conscious so the right approach in yoga is always self giving offering and that takes us to this other issue about the aadhar it's true that none of our aadhar is ready if we take not a single aadhar who can say that who is ready for the divine action not no one because it's tremendous but by offering by 
service of the Lord, it becomes ready. How are we to serve? Well, to start with, whatever work we may be doing, let us for a moment pause and offer it. And then, remembering the mother's name, do it. As simple as that. Yoga is a very simple process. And the more simple will be become, the better it the journey is. We are brushing our teeth. Ma, ma, ma. See, consciousness will come. We are taking a bath. We are cooking. We are doing this. We are doing that. In everything, we bring in this element of consciousness. Through an act of offering. Obviously, initially, we will not understand what's happening. We may not even experience anything. As the question is that supposing we are teaching, supposing we are dealing with children, we have read what mother has said and the gap between what we have read and what we can actually do is a huge gap. But we aspire to do as per what mother has revealed. How this gap is to be built, bridged again by offering. It doesn't matter. There are people in ashram who didn't know new things mother gave. To somebody who didn't know French, mother said, teach French. To someone who couldn't hold a pencil, mother said, start painting. Number of, you know, people like that. And there is a good reason. Not only that mother saw the internal sobhav and sodharma, but it's much easier for the divine to pick up an instrument which is not only like a baby doesn't know anything but is conscious of its limitation than an instrument which is living in the puffed up ego that I know I can be a good instrument you know Niroddha recounts very beautifully that why he was chosen to write Savitri you know Shobinda would dictate and Niroddha would write of course there are Many reasons we cannot surmise. But what Niroddha writes, let me put that. So he used to wonder why not somebody like Amal Kiran. He is a very you know, knowledgeable person. <laughs> he knows about English, poetry. I am a medical doctor. Okay, I can probably understand the diction because he was in UK and uh, again from a Burmese um, Bengali background. So maybe I can understand. But why Shurvindu chose me? And then he says something very interesting where we get a clue. He says, because Amal Kiran knew so much about poetry, if he were to write, he would start using his mind, which he did start using later on. Is this the right thing? Is that the better thing? Don't you think this word will be better? This comma would have been better? Whereas with Nirud Varan, he didn't know and he knew that I don't know. He was just copying. Lord is saying and he is doing. So sometimes not knowing how to do is a big advantage. It's not necessarily a disadvantage. Because even when we have read all that Madhra and Shurabindo, it's one thing that we have read, it's quite another we have understood. <laughs> Understanding is a completely different process. For instance, when we, re we read that Shurabindo says, uh, go from near to the far and each one begins to apply it in one's own way 
But imagine that we don't know anything about this. Yobindra said, start from near to the far. And we say, Mother, I don't know what it means to start from near to the far. And then she will work in us and give us all that is necessary for that. She says, you should be full of patience, never scold children, never lose your temper, just give an atmosphere, create a you know, circumstance of love where they can blossom. Now it's such a simple thing, but so difficult. Very often people ask how to bring up children. There are seminars, lectures. But just try creating an atmosphere of love and see how difficult it is. Mother has said just a drop of love. If we can have it. So difficult. It's not about reading a book and doing it. So what do we do? We pray to the mother. Mother, help us. We are limited beings. We are very small. Help us. Of course she will help. Whatever work we are doing, she will pour her through that work and the Adhar will develop and become ready. So already we are in the process of preparing the Adhar for her work. This stage is called work for the mother. I mean, whatever we are doing, we consecrate it to her, remember her, bring the aspiration for perfection, for beauty, for light, for truth, and she will work. Then the next stage is work of the mother. That she will give us. When we are ready, there will be some work which will be like a sacred trust from above. And again here, it's very important because many times, you know, there is a tendency, oh, this is nice, let me do this. It's not that, it's a trust. For instance, in speaking or writing, it has to come as a trust. It cannot just be done because it's a fanciful thing to do. Any work, it has to come from mother. That becomes work of the mother. And when she gives that, one knows it and it's a different evolutionary cycle in which one enters. And the instrument, physical, vital, mental, undergoes purification through that process. And then finally, the last stage of the perfection is work by the mother. So, there is no effort. It's the most blissful stage. Whatever work is being done, is done by her. Tomar karmo tomi karoma luke bole koriyami. Sokali tomari iksha. It's, everything is an expression of your will. People say that I am doing it. But your is the action and your is the power to do it. Force. Shubhinda speaks about it in very beautiful essay, Delight of Works. Where he speaks about these three things. The instrument the force and the doer. So, this is how we have to proceed step by step. Whatever work we are doing, we offer with a will and aspiration for more light, more consciousness, more beauty, more truth to express itself. It doesn't matter. We should not judge ourselves. That's what we read in the morning. Who knows? Who are we to even know whether we are good or bad or fit, unfit, mother knows. She can always pick up a small stone and make it fit. That's what they say, make the dumb speak. 
and the lame cross the mountain. It's a fact. It's a fact of spiritual experience. When the divine picks up, makes the dumb speak. Mukam karoti vachalam. Pangum girivar langam. You can cross the mountains. With that trust, we can do that. And then a time will come when we will be put into our rightful place in the universal work, which yesterday we just touched upon very briefly. And then we have to do it faithfully without letting the egoism of the instrument come into us. Without calculations, without all other things. Do it well, leave it at that. And then a stage will come when then she will work through us and we will see the world with her eyes and experience it with her heart. So these are the stages of the perfection. So from, And this is this is the royal road to the yoga of the cells. <laughs> we, we put our body at her service. And the rest will be done. We don't have to worry about the you know technicalities of the matter. And that's how people till old age have, you know, continued to how they have, Duman Bhai's story today morning, Asun Bhai was reminding me, it's so amazing story. He knew when he is going to leave his body and he finished his accounts right up to that day, even though he was admitted to nursing home. On 17th August, but his account book was completed till 19th August, the day he would leave his body. Can we imagine? What perfection had come. He never went for any other, his life was mother's work. Nothing. Mother gave work, yes mother. How it will be done? He never, so many things came up. So much so that if, Nalida once asked Shurabindo, if 500 people come to the ashram, what are you going to do sir? Because that person had doubt in his mind. My God, people are swelling suddenly, 500 come, what am I going to do? You know Shurabindu's reply? He said, why? I will send them to Duman. What trust he reposed in him? Why? I will send them to Duman. He will take care. And sure enough, it happened. And someone said, Nalnida went and told him, Duman 500 people are coming. Divan Bhai would say, yes, it's okay. How he'll manage? <laughs> so this is the way this yoga is done. And if that can be done, it's more than enough. We are never asked to do more than, I mean, the divine will give us all the knowledge, all the consciousness of what we are expected to do. With this childlike trust, we should proceed on the path. What others are doing, not doing, is not our concern. Then it is delight. Even physical transformation, we should not worry about it. It will come when it has to come. When we are ready, when earth is ready, what is there? Our goal of yoga is to dwell in the divine. And the value of physical transformation is only this. That even this body can dwell in the same consciousness. That is its value. Not my physical immortality. I will have, you know, exceptional abilities, capacities. I will have seven 
tails and <laughs> green hairs on the head. That has been tried. That is the way old time Asuras used to do. My body will have this capacity. It doesn't matter. All capacities can develop if the divine wants. Dhuman Bhaya developed capacities to heal. And Shurabindra told him, yes, yes, it's true, but it's not necessary for you. So he just left it aside. He didn't go about, I have capacity to heal. He just dropped it. It's okay. He himself had an illness, he didn't apply it. When he had, you know, he would bleed. And he would not bother about it. He would rush, change the dhyoti, come for work again. This is the way they have gone, those who have gone before us. Everything will develop. What are capacities? We have again, um, I remember Ramayana again and again. Prabhishi Nagar ki je sab kaja, hirde raki kaushal puraja. Hanuman doesn't know whether he can cross the ocean or not. And then he remembers, it's not my work, I'm going for the Lord's work. And he can cross the ocean, do everything. So everything will come. But it should be done in service of the divine. I think this is the most important take-home point. Nothing for ourselves. Even Divine Mother says, what, is, what does it matter whether this body gets transformed or some other body? What does it matter? Yes, please. Yes, that's a very... Yes. So double perfection, she has said in the context of this yoga, that ordinarily in traditional yoga, the stress is only on the higher perfection and perfection of the soul. So soul evolves and grows till it recovers its own divinity. This is the one kind of perfection, the Vedantic perfection. When in Vedanta it is said to become perfect, it is meant in this sense. But nature remains what it is. So she says that the lower perfection also should not be ignored. So we have to work also upon the instruments of nature. So how do we work? That's where the difference comes in. We can work it by the ego and for the sake of the ego. That is one kind of perfection. And there are people who do it. Tremendous. But there will be a disparity between this and this state. Or we can work upon the body not for our own sake but for the sake of the divine. And she gave this wonderful example with Russian gymnasts who had come. That you know if only they knew this offering what marvelous capacities. So when we work upon, we can work upon the body only, you know, that something will happen and you know my body will develop or some some marvelous things will happen. Or we can work upon the body because this is the need. This Divine Mother's work I have to do, so I have to keep it fit. With this attitude and this approach. So that's where when we work upon an instrument, because it's not mine, it's mother's. Let's say that a pen is given to me, I'll keep it in a good shape, isn't it? Mother has given me this mother's pen, 
mother may need it any time so let me keep it always filled with ink always ready clean i can't allow dust to accumulate because any time she may ask for the pen and it should be in the best possible state isn't it the nib has to be cleansed and kept ready so similarly we have to work upon a body by work upon that's what is meant to make sure it remains fit conscious as much as possible our mind should not be led to sleep our hearts should not be cabined into very narrow bounds of emotions so that when she comes and pours the instrument is ready for her use that's what is meant by double perfection the lower and the higher but the way is the same offering and service and that's how see in ashram context this happened when physical education department started it it may be i am repeating something which may have been told so because you know, i i i was not here so i'm sorry but it's worth remembering again and again so when physical education department started lot of people are ah, very nice so they started you know my body has to become this that like an instrument they did lot of exercise lot of things and even they got fascinated about records and records breaking then one day someone asked mother we are doing all this why are we doing this mother says ah at last <laughs> ah at last they have asked me why are we doing all this <laughs> and then she gave that wonderful prayer of the cells of the body that we are becoming more and more conscious so the same activity that's why in ashram context you see what is the difference before we go for physical education there is a short concentration if you observe these activities this is how she has trained everyone so there is a short concentration what is done in that short concentration we invoke her presence we offer our bodies to her and then we go through the process of whatever exercise march past whatever we are doing then again after it is over there is a short concentration where we make an offering of the physical instrument so whatever we do in another context we may go for a walk we may go for a jogging running physical exercise but if this crucial it may look oh it's it's understood oh, of course we'll do it but this is the important part it may look the smallest part otherwise we may do a lot of physical exercises to make the body conscious but it will this conscious body can become an instrument even of asuras ravana was extremely developed in his physical consciousness what happened because in fact the forces will try to use such a body the moment they see that there is a body which is so developed in capacities they'll try to use it so never we should forget that anything we do any exercise whether mental or physical or uh, even meditation she has said make your meditation an offering to the divine this is the first indispensable step it should be drummed into the very cells of a body to use a word remember and offer remember and offer remember and offer 100 times pick up a pen remember and offer write remember and offer keep a book remember and offer start cooking remember and offer then 
that change will come. This yoga is done through offering. At least this yoga. Categorically, repeatedly, Mother and Shurabindu have told us, yoga is effected through offering. There is no other way. Yes, yes. You know what? I appreciate your observation. And no, no, I appreciate your observation. You know what used to happen? Even today I had this thought. I said, Hasmuk Bhai has got a picture where, you know, mother is not looking into our eyes. It should be like that, you know. (laughs) You are absolutely right. No, no, no. <laughs> don't, don't. <laughs> Let me make it very clear. Let us not be under any illusions. <laughs> she would much better like if I remain silent. <laughs> and she loves everyone. Maybe she is not liking it. She is saying, keep quiet. <laughs> See, mother knows only one thing and it is to love. In her consciousness, there is no your talk. She is the one who is speaking. When she is speaking, she is the doer. Then where is the question of liking another? And she is pouring on all. She can see without eyes, even when her eyes were closed. Now this is the corrective part. So we don't have to change the picture. This is just... (laughs) Mother, when her eyes were closed... Yeah, we'll take the question, but it's a very beautiful observation, so I'm just completing it. Even with her eyes closed, she could see everything. There are instances where she would see behind her back. And in evening talks, it is documented. Even Champaklal speaks, it has that mother said, I can see with my eyes closed. And in evening talks, Shurabinda said, mother has the faculty of seeing even behind. She has eyes behind her head. And all over, and this is a capacity she had since childhood. She have been those words in evening talks. So she sees everywhere. And everything, there is nothing which escapes her sight. Even the smallest movement. We think that she sees the big things that we are saying, Mother, I am yours. <laughs> she sees inside what is hidden in the depths of the heart. and She responds to that. As to Shurabindo, of course, beautifully, as you say, like the Himalaya, there is a passage of Kalidas from Kumar Sambhavam, birth of the war god. And Shurabindo has translated that passage. Of course, that whole thing has been translated, portions of it, but he describes, Kalidas describes Himalaya. And Shurabindo translates it. And when I read it, it looks like Shurabindo is speaking of himself. So Himalaya, Kalidas describes as sitting on his royal throne with both his hands dipping into the ocean, majestically beholding the universe. I feel the same with Shurabindo. So on one level, he is Bholenath, like a child. You know, what a childlike quality in Shurabindo. He would, you know, he's trying to figure out something with the fan, how to reduce the speed. 
and he's looking at it and suddenly Champaklalji comes and does it. She says, oh, as simple as that. As simple as that. Childlike. He would wait for mother for his breakfast. And it would, it kept on getting delayed. Because mother would be busy with many things. And Shubhinda would keep sitting like a child. Even children will begin to howl. 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 3 o'clock. Shubhinda is sitting, waiting for mother. If we could do that, so he is like that. He, he waits for creation, regards what is called, in, what he has termed in Savitri as force one with unimaginable rest. He regards time with deathless eyes. And the mother? No. She will pull everything and take it towards the Lord. That's why there is a difference between the two. People say that in Shurabindo's presence, they felt they are in the front of infinity, looking at Shurabindo's eyes that even if there is a bomb blast, it will not affect him. They are looking in front of infinity. And with mother, they would feel intense pressure for change, for transformation. Constantly they would feel this. So, thank you for this wonderful observation. But what was the question? <laughs> In the old world they needed and one sign of the new world will be that there will be no more priests, no more doctors, <laughs> no more policemen, no more lawyers. So priests are the most dangerous categories. If you can stay away, the better it is. In all denominations, all religions. Whether it be Hinduism or Christianity or Islam or anywhere. We don't need middlemen. Thank God we don't need middlemen. Middlemen will take their cut. They will claim things which they cannot deliver. Because we don't know. We are gullible people. Exactly. So middlemen are like that. Stay away from middlemen. If anybody says, I am the one who will take you, be careful. But Guru is a different matter. But Gurus are very rare. Guru should not be taken as... The true Guru is never ambitious to have a disciple. Mother has spoken. Guru will never say, come, come, come. I will show you the divine eye. You become my disciple. Never. Niroda went to mother and he was very nervous. First meeting. He said, my God, mother may ask me questions about God. I don't know anything. Little bit I know is about Buddhist religion. All the rest I know only about medicine. He was very nervous. So he went with all his suited, booted. You know. Mother met him for one hour. Did not ask anything about God. She only asked about England, medical studies. She was very happy. I have passed my interview. <laughs> and then when he sat in the train, he started seeing mother everywhere. 
So much so that at one point he said, Oh my God, why doesn't she go away? He was seeing her everywhere. She gave him rare experience. So, even Shurbindo, when somebody would ask him, he would say, Okay, stay on and see. It's very rare. Some with some bhaktas he may do it because that's a different thing. Did Krishna ever tell Arjuna that look you don't know who I am? In fact only there is a moment of apocalypse when Arjuna says who are you? Please tell me. I have sat with you, danced with you, put put my hands around you. We have done a lot of mischief, naughty things. But now you are saying things I am very mesmerized. Who are you? Then he reveals because it's necessary at that point for Arjuna. Nobody else he reveals who he is. The same thing with mother and Shubindu. See, played, they played with people. Um, how mother has played, you know, all kinds of games. She would sweep the floor. She would be like anyone else. Sit on the floor while people are sitting on chairs. Despite having entered the supermind to the front gate, as Shubindu would put it. Never they put themselves on pedestal. Much later, the Darshan day starts even there. It's not that you, if you see the Darshan day, actually, you know, do visit sometime and Shubhinda and the mother were not sitting in some big gaddi and, you know, with malas and, you know, stay away from. It's so ostentatious, horrifying. And people going and doing pranam with, you know, they were at the same level, except that there was a 10 feet difference because people couldn't contain it. Actually, they couldn't contain if they went near, they felt so intense a pressure. Few seconds was enough for them to undergo changes. They couldn't take it. And then they would move out. That is divinity. Divinity never uh, needs to proclaim. When somebody asked Mother and Shivindra, she said, My child, does the son has to declare that I am son and announce itself? Sun never announces itself. I am sun. Look, that is moon. <laughs> have eyes. Look at it. <laughs> we have eyes. We look. We will realize. So that's why. I mean, I always say that um, Sri Krishna had raised the bar of divine divinity to a very high level, which only with Mother and Shurabindu you see that it is being crossed over. Otherwise it was impossible. What a bar of divinity he had raised. And then you see Shirobinder and the mother say, yes, this is what is divinity. So no middlemen, thankfully. In fact, stay away if you have middlemen. If anybody says, I will take you to mother, I will connect you to Shirobindo, know it for sure that this is danger. If anyone says that, you don't need, categorically mother has warned you don't need. When mother wants, she will reveal herself and carry you. That's it. In fact, she said there are no gurus in this integral yoga. So what about mother and Shirobindo? They are not just gurus. <laughs> mother is mother. They are not teachers or gurus or you know. They are embodied divine. It doesn't matter whether the world knows them as divine or not. They will do their work. So that's how we have to look at it. Any other quick question before we close?
Yes, please. Yes, so in the morning I had given a hint. So, and it's connected to, you know, the middleman. When there is a spiritual thirst, then many middlemen come into the play. The vital, particularly, starts, you know, getting naughty. So what vital does, vital means not of individual, but the vital atmosphere. So it will, you know, give you many kinds of imitative things, which will look as if they are the real and the original. See what happens when you go to a market and you want to buy something in a jewelry, this thing. Now, if you don't know which jeweler is, everybody is advertising. Everybody goes, sir, you want gold? Come, come, come. You want diamond? Sir, pure diamond. Now, that's what has happened that because of the supramental advent, there is a thirst for spirituality, awakening. And because of that, many vital beings have plunged into this earth and they are wearing masks of Babas. Let me be very categorical because it it's the time to catch fishes. It helps these vital forces to swell. Because they are in search of people who can. But authentic people are never deceived. Those who are genuinely in search of the Spiritual consciousness, they will not be deceived. But they would be those who are going to spirituality for other motives, ulterior motives. That's why you will see many of these film stars and politicians gravitate towards such Babas. So much so that if somebody says, this Baba ka, this politicians and stars go there, I feel that it's better to, you know, it's a warning sign. Because they, what do they want after all? They go for their own aggrandizement and their own winning in election, uh, having their movies click, that no authentic spiritual master will do it. So that has happened in the market and unfortunately, and mother spoke about these beings, vital beings. There is nothing spiritual about them. They may use the term spiritual, is a very common term, divine God, ye mantra le lo, so we saw stock market trade but uh, mother said they do a homage. What is the homage they do? In the bargain, few persons may actually end up turning towards the real. I know of people who went into this and then eventually something in them grew and they wanted to know more and they ended up, you know. So that also happens. So divine says, Chalne do ye bhi khel. See, it's a filtering process. Are we really ready for the true thing? Then we will find the true thing. And if you are not ready for the true thing, it's a filtering process. When people said to mother, mother, so and so, he speaks such things. And you know, you have kept him in the ashram. Why don't you send him away? She said, no, no, it's a good thing. Let him stay. Only sincere people will then come. <laughs> so this is how it is. I will not take names, obviously, because it's not right to do that. But it is full of nauseating imitations, not just imitations, which you were mentioning, nauseating imitations. Mainly, 
doesn't matter <laughs> see there are they will cater to see there are those who want gudka mithai and there are those who want the rajbhog so those who want the cheap stuff there would be always people who will cater to the cheap stuff maybe that's the stage of preparation whatever it is so it doesn't matter you know um, they of course when in the supramental creation such people will obviously uh, you know they will have to undergo a change also because humanity will grow more and more and will be able to see through the game that has begun incidentally people are now beginning to take a notice so when truth reigns and it's already happening because of the action of truth they are getting exposed also it's not it doesn't take long so it will happen automatically that they will the exposure will take place no nobody can continue to play play the fool with the divine that's even more dangerous you know in story of uh, bhagavat of false vasudeva who grew four arms uh, had all the things looked like krishna everything he did like krishna and where you know krishna had no issues about it till he said i want rukmani <laughs> then he said okay now you had it <laughs> he even asked people to worship him like krishna worship me i am the original vasudeva now what do you do about it <laughs> but when he said i want rukmani see that is where they overstep the limits and then sri krishna say okay i am coming i'll deal with you <laughs> so that's the same story is taking place now so we shouldn't worry about them authentic spirituality is always uh, uh, it's never a huge mass movement tens of thousands of people it's not like that it's always something which all genuine things will never have such mass appeal mass appeal is only for michael jackson style of shahrukh khan that kind of stuff so we shouldn't even bother about it sometimes one may feel sad but leave it leave them especially with these people is best not to meddle because they uh, they embody very 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 dangerous vital forces i'll give you only one instance then we'll stop of a real thing which i know <clears throat> and uh, it concerns somebody whose name you were you had mentioned yesterday and i don't want to be very explicit but as close as i can go he is from gujarat and he has his name starts with a i think that's more than what i can say <laughs> so he came once with his entourage to shurabindo center in dhar so the man who looks after the center young boy very genuine the whole family is devoted to mother and shurabindo originally they were vaishnava bhaktas and real bhakti so they requested him the devotees that you know so and so wants to come and be in the stay in the center for some time is it okay so he just ki okay saintly man so he said it's okay but few things like you know morning we come for service and all no disturbance said, no 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 disturbance nothing then in the morning he went along with two other persons to do the morning service relics of shirbindo are there and it's a very powerful place so he went for the service and he saw that at the gate 
there are two persons with AK-47 standing. Won't let him in. He said, what? I have to go to do the morning service, you know, cleaning the relics and all. He said, no, no, you can't go. Our Babaji is taking rest. He said, let him take rest. He is there in his kutia. I am going to... No, 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 you can't go like that. Then something took over him. And he had a very beautiful experience in the morning of suddenly uh, picking up a picture of the mother which he found in one of the books, which was given during Kali Puja. And he was very happy. He didn't realize what's going to happen next. <laughs> and he had kept in his pocket. And he felt moved by some tremendous power. He held these men with AK-47 and just flung them aside. And said, nobody stops me over my dead body. Went inside and stunned because something else acted. And before he went to the relics, he walked straight to the Babaji who was enjoying his morning bath in his room. He had turned the picture of the mother other way. Calendar was turned the other way. And he told him, you leave this place at once. He said, what are you saying? The chelas came and said, you know, you don't know, you will incur the wrath of a saint. He said, I don't care. He leaves this place immediately. And you know, they started this thing, but nobody wanted a big, you know, media issue to come out. But eventually because, you know, he, something else acted and they left angrily and in a huff. Within 24 hours, he was arrested. And this man gave me a call in the evening because he didn't know whether he has done something. Because you know, after the storm abated, then he said, Bhaiya, kiya ki galat kiya. I said, perfect kiya. <laughs> well done. <laughs> because you know, during that movement, you are moved by something much greater. Later on you wonder because people start saying, no, 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 you know, Santa Purush, this, that. I said, perfect. Bahut achha kiya. And then next day arrested, the ashram in Ahmedabad was raided, all these things happened. So this is just to say that, you know, one should be very careful. Let's not be carried away, mass movement and, and you know, miracles. Sri Aurobindo cautions us, dazzling miracles. Are, Baba Ji ko humne pray kiya tha, humare ghar mein ye ho gaya. It's okay. Sab kaam shayad doctor bhi kar deta. Ek achha accountant, consultant bhi thoda paisa extra aja tha. Spirituality is meant for growing into the divine consciousness. All other things are only side issues. It's not meant for stock market. People ask this, Shurbindo, they would write a letter from America. I hear that you are a great yogi. So can we make a deal? It's there in evening talks. So what deal was offered to Shurbindo that if you can predict the stock markets, I'll give you this much percentage. It's a real story. <laughs> Shubhinda laughed it off. Ford challenged anybody who can prove something like, you know, soul or afterlife, forgotten the question. So much money and domain I'll give. So people asked mother, mother, such a good chance. This fellow is a very moneyed man. Mother said, I don't want his money. I don't want his money because he could see the distorted consciousness. Imagine, I don't want his money. It's a very big statement. The divine says that it means something. They needed money. Money is still needed. Our ashram, 
Shubhendu Ashram is uh, not a very rich ashram. It just manages things. It's beautifully arranged. But I don't want his money. I mean, I, when you read it, it's so powerful. So wherever we see wealth, power and sexuality, know that the Asura is at play. Shubhendu has asked us to be cautioned against these three things. These are the doors of the Asura. So let's not talk about the Asura, let's talk about the Divine and the beauty of the Divine. One last sentence because I don't want to stop it at the Asura. (laughs) (laughs) So, this son of Divine laughter is at the center of all things. The truth of all things, we must learn to see it, to feel it, to live it. As soon as the atmosphere becomes grave, you can be sure that something is wrong. That there is a troubling influence, an old habit trying to reassert itself, which should not be accepted. Everything that persists, that tries to cling and endure, all these habit of cutting life into into small things and big things, the sacred and the profane, What say the people who profess to follow a spiritual life? How can you make such little things, such insignificant things, the object of spiritual experience? And yet, this is an experience that becomes more and more concrete and real, even materially. It's not that there are some things where the Lord is and some things where he is not. What a wide spiritual path. The Lord is always there. He takes nothing seriously. Everything amuses Him. And He plays with you if you know how to play. You do not know how to play. People do not know how to play. But how well He knows how to play. How well He plays. So, It is agreed. We shall try to learn how to laugh with the Lord. If you can have the experience that it is the divine who is doing everything, then with an unshakable faith you say, all your arguments have no value. The delight of being with the divine, conscious of the divine, surpasses everything. Surpasses the creation, surpasses life, surpasses happiness, surpasses success, surpasses everything.